The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. We have our sponsor, Brickhouse Nutrition. Yeah, uh, Bri- Brickhouse is uh, the, the savior of my life right now because I don't <laughs> have to eat greens. I hate salads. I hate vegetables. I, I hate them. I will not eat them in a box or with a fox. But I will drink them down. Mm-hmm. And it is the easy way to do it. Shockingly, Brickhouse Nutrition doesn't necessarily recommend you stop eating all vegetables. I do. Um, but I do. Uh, this is, if you're like Glenn, or mm-hmm. most male um, males in the audience, uh, you may want to a try Field of Greens because you get all the nutrients and stuff that you need. Uh, you can go through the whole eat your vegetables thing that your mom told you to do and you never did. You can do that with one scoop and juice or it's milk or water. and vegetables. Fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. You don't have to eat any of that crap. I could just eat... I could eat steak and chocolate. Again, that's not what they recommend. Uh, but for a limited time, <laughs> go to Brick, <laughs> BrickHouseGlenn.com. Use the promo code Glenn. Get 15% off your first order. BrickHouseGlenn.com. Experience a better you tomorrow. Glenn Beck. The personal is political. That was a slogan uh, used by the feminists in the 1960s. And like most slogans, you know, it really kind of starts to fall apart once you examine it long enough, but it's generally meant to understand uh, to be uh, understood as um, uh, women and minorities and the struggles that they face directly connected to the patriarchy. And it has come to take on many more meetings, uh, but most of all, it's just a way to say my feelings equal truth. Eh, they don't. They don't. Now the personal is so political that the political has become personal, and it is everywhere. Thanks to the radically left-leaning forefathers of postmodernism, every single word we utter now is political. So if anything we say offends someone on the left, it's not just personal, it is a political act. Even worse, having a difference in opinion is a personal insult now. We're seeing it constantly. Ted Cruz heckled out of a restaurant. Sarah Sanders kicked out of a restaurant. Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi chased out of a movie about Mr. Rogers. The entire Kavanaugh confirmation hearing, for that matter. And it is escalating. Verbal abuse isn't good enough, as we saw last week with uh, Antifa protesters who broke down Tucker Carlson's front door and screamed threats. Yesterday, Michael Avenatti claimed on Twitter that he is investigating Tucker Carlson for an alleged assault on a gay Latino immigrant. Well, this sounds about as plausible uh, as uh, Avenatti's ridiculous claim that Brett Kavanaugh was a serial rapist uh, in uh, high school. Tucker Carlson responded. As is expected, Avenatti wasn't telling the truth, it seems. Officials from the Farmington Country Club, where the incident happened, have confirmed it now. They revoked the man's membership that night. Turns out he was the aggressor. Turns out Tucker Carlson was at dinner with his kids and some friends. When his teenage daughter went to the restroom and came back to the table crying. Apparently, the middle-aged man... Uh, said to Tucker Carlson's daughter, are you having dinner with Tucker Carlson? And she said, yes, that's my father. He said, oh, you're Tucker's whore. Then he said, you're an 
effing C-word. She came back to the table and started to cry. Her brother immediately got up from the table and said, Excuse me, did you just say this to my sister? He proudly admitted that he had, and the son, or the brother, took a glass of wine and threw it at him. Carlson wrote, I love my children. It took an hour's self-control not to beat the man with a chair, which is what I wanted to do. I think any father can understand the overwhelming rage and shock that I felt seeing my teenage daughter attacked by a stranger. After his son threw wine, Tucker Carlson got up and he asked the guy to please leave. They were restrained. Tucker said, I restrained myself. I didn't assault the man. Neither did my son. He said, everything about this is a lie. First of all, I didn't know that the man was gay or Latino. Not that it would have even mattered. What happened on October 13th has nothing to do with identity politics. It was a gross violation of decency. I've never seen anything like it in my life, end quote. This is what I experienced with my family a few years ago in New York. It is the reason in the end uh, that really compelled us to seriously talk about leaving New York. My family was endangered by a crowd of people, and they all thought it was funny. The political is personal. A middle-aged man feels so personally insulted and outraged by Tucker Carlson's political views, his different opinions, that he responds with a personal insult to Tucker Carlson's daughter using the C-word. Is this the world that the early feminists with their personal is political signs wanted? How many things have gotten so turned around that it's considered progressive now for a grown man to call a teenage girl the C-word? Which I believe is one of the most heinous and degrading words ever used to demean women. Tucker was right to restrain himself. The country club was right for asking this guy to leave and to revoke his membership. It's the best response. Violence is not the answer. We have to keep our head. And it is going to be unbelievably hard sometimes. It gets a little harder every time we see something like what happened to Tucker Carlson. But it is the only way to win. Not everything is personal. Not everything is political. And that is the reality. And your feelings do not equal truth. They are your feelings. Hopefully, if we can keep our composure long enough, hopefully they'll find a better slogan, one that calms people down instead of inciting outrage. In the meantime, we can all agree that no one, no one at all, especially a grown man, should verbally assault a teenage girl because her daddy hurt his feelings. It's Monday, November 12th. You're listening to the Glenbeck program. I, for one, am so sick and tired of hearing from the left that, uh, oh my gosh, they've they've never experienced hatred like this. Nobody said a word. 
when my family was assaulted uh, in a park in New York. No one said a word. My daughter and I had always wanted to go see uh, a Hitchcock film in the park. And so we did. And I just thought it was going to be fine. I just assumed that everybody was human still. Well, not in New York. And so my my daughter and her then fiance and my wife decided to go to the park and we just spread out a blanket and we uh, arrived, you know, maybe a little bit early. People started to come. And this group behind us of these uh, 20-somethings, women, believe it or not, uh, they were um, quite aggressive. They threw wine on my wife. My wife knew that it wasn't an accident because we had security there and they were able to see their Twitter feed and their Facebook feed where they were admitting what they were doing. I went to the park with, I think, one security agent. By the time we were done, I think we had four. We had four. We may have had six by the end. I finally uh, leave at the, towards the end of the movie. I want to get out of there um, before the movie is over, for obvious reasons. And I, I get up with my wife, and the entire crowd applauds that we leave. Now, that could have been, I, I, I could have, you know, taken that. But not after you had assaulted my wife. Not after my wife and my daughter walk about half a block to go to the restroom. And as they are walking by themselves, they are shouted at and fingers pointed and thrust into their chest saying, we don't want your hate here. We don't want your kind here. Racist, bigots, haters. When we were walking out, by the time we got across the street, I looked at the security agents and I said, go back and get my daughter and her fiance. This is far too dangerous for them. My daughter was already in tears. She didn't know what to do when the security agents arrived and pulled them both into the car. So please, leftists, CNN, don't tell me how hard your life is. I know. I know how hard your life is now, and no one should have to live through that. But what's happening to Tucker Carlson is not an isolated incident. It's been happening on the, from the left for a very long time, and it goes beyond mean tweets. Your family is in danger and it's only getting worse. So what are we going to do about it? Well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to live our lives. We're going to tell the truth. We're not going to play the game that they're playing because I don't want to be that person. I, I remember leaving that crowd and saying to my wife, I would be so ashamed if anyone, anyone 
in my audience treated people like that. If Michael Moore, who was at the top of the, you know, I guess, hate list for the left, if Michael Moore would have been treated like that by my audience, I would have been horrified. But I slept well that night knowing my audience wouldn't do that. It's one of the reasons why we did Restoring Love. I wanted to see a big, huge crowd fill Dallas Cowboy Stadium and treat people with respect and come together and be good and serve one another and serve the community. The, the press seems to miss all of that. That's okay. That's okay. We know who they are. By the way, the California fires... I saw all the tweets back and forth and the hatred about the fires and Donald Trump and shut up, shut up. Meanwhile, there are people on the ground. Meanwhile, there are people that are in trouble. And I don't mean the celebrities because they have enough money to take care of themselves and get out. I don't wish them ill and I don't wish that their houses are burned down or anything like that. But I'm concerned about the people who have to leave their house and they don't know what to do, where to go. How do you how do you take your children, leave your house, lose everything and survive? You go to work. How are you? How do you afford just going to a hotel, just having meals three times, uh, three times a day for your family out How quickly does that bill run you into bankruptcy? Mercury One is already on the ground in California, and there are a lot of people in need. I want to play a tape. Uh, This is of a father talking to his daughter and trying to calm, calm them down. Now, if you happen to be watching The Blaze, you will see it. But if you're just listening, um, let me describe the scene. There are flames on both sides of the car. It's all like they're going through a tunnel of fire. And the little girl is starting to freak out. And I want you to listen to this amazing father as he talks her through this. Because you know inside he ain't feeling this way. Listen to this. Hey, guess what? We're not going to catch on fire, okay? We're going to stay away from it. And we'll be just fine. Okay? We're doing all right. Flames on both sides of the car. Baby, it'll be all right. Yeah. We should go. We should. We're gonna. We should go back home. Uh, we're gonna get out, okay? We're gonna leave. No, we're going to get out of here. And we'll come back when it's uh, more Princess Poppy, okay? Princess Poppy I'm going to stay away from it, okay? Yeah. Yep. Look, we're past it. We're out of it, okay? Yay! You did it! You 
I, we did it together. <laughs> I'm listening to this, and I know that I would be tempted to be quiet. Daddy's driving. <laughs> Daddy's trying to make sure we don't all die. Quiet. <laughs> Keep talking, and you'll be on fire, because I'll open the door and put you out. <laughs> amazing, amazing father. Not only our thoughts and prayers, which are valuable, go out to the people of California, but also our backs and our hands and our feet. We're putting our money where our mouth is. We care about you, California. Mercury One is out on the ground now. I urge you to donate now. Help feed these people. Help shelter these people. You can go to mercuryone.org and make a donation now and help those who are affected by fires. Mercuryone.org. Well, Thanksgiving is... Is it next week? Next week, isn't it? Mm. That's incredible. Thanksgiving is right around the corner. If you have have plans, I know you're not going to be somebody's uh, dinner table that is going to miss you. Have you thought about sending flowers? 1-800-Flowers.com. Use the promo code BECK right now. Perfect way to show family and friends just how much you're thinking about them. And right now you have 24 for 24. 24 multicolored roses for $24. That's a dollar per rose. That's a really good price. A bouquet of bright multicolored roses is a perfect gift that will bring smiles for all fall celebrations. They'll show your friends and your loved ones just how much they mean to you around this special time of year. It's 1-800-Flowers.com, 1-800-Flowers.com. Get this bouquet, 24 for 24. All you have to do is go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click on the radio microphone, and uh, you click on that icon, and you enter the promo code BECK. That's 1-800-Flowers.com, promo code BECK, after you click on the radio icon, 1-800-Flowers.com. These California wildfires are just terrifying. 31 dead statewide now in California. Uh, Like I said, Mercury One is on the ground now, and we're having our big fundraiser. We do one fundraiser a year just to pay for the staff and the airplane tickets and all all of the crap that you don't want to raise money for during the year. You want 100% of whatever you're donating to go to the wildfires or the hurricanes or to the Nazarene Fund. This is why we have this big fundraiser, and we have a lot of people coming to the ball this. I think it's this Friday. Is it this Friday night? Saturday, Saturday night. Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, that may be sold out, but we have these raffle tickets. You can win a brand-new Mercedes. Ah, I would like a car. Yes, I want a car. Okay, I'd like to help people. I want a car. I'd like to help people. I'd like to help one person, me, with a car. <laughs> well, this is your chance to do both. It's my understanding, and I, I yeah. have not confirmed this yet, but if you would like to purchase a raffle ticket and you would like to, as part of that, designate the car, if one, to me, Stu, you can do that by contacting Mercury One. Let them yeah, know you bought the ticket think and you'd like to give the car to Stu and pay the taxes on your own, if applicable, yeah. for the transfer. By the way, you do not have to be there to win. Last year, we flew the uh, the winners in. And they drove their brand new truck uh, here out of the studios. We had them. Uh, we had them in the studios. And this year, it's a brand new Mercedes. You don't have to be there to win. The uh, raffle ticket goes to a good cause. It goes to uh, keep the people employed at Mercury One that are 
are there to make sure that we're doing all the work, freeing slaves in yeah. Syria and fighting, you know, uh, hunger someplace else, helping the people in the hurricanes or in the wildfires. So please uh, just go to Mercury One dot org and uh, you can uh, find uh, the raffle ticket at Mercury One dot org slash M one ball. Gonna be fun. That's actually a fun event. Yeah, uh, Chuck and Gina are gonna be there. Uh, Chuck Norris and his wife are gonna be there. We have a couple of people. We have um, oh, what's her name from uh, Housewives of uh, Dallas? She's she's gonna be there. We have a couple of big country musical artists coming as well. I'm sorry, I just don't have all of it, but it's gonna be fun. And we are also raffling off, or not sorry, raffling. We are auctioning off the only digital copy ever made the only other copy that has been made of this was made in abraham lincoln's own hand the only copy ever for sale for auction at mercury one of the gettysburg address you can find out all of that at mercury mercury it is it's crazy what is happening uh, with the ballots? We're going to get to the election and the recounts now. This is dramatically changing things. Uh, and I'm not sure anybody really understands what's going on. I'm not sure. Are we are, are, are we sure that everything is on the up and up here? Uh, who's who's really watching over this? Is anybody? We'll talk about that coming up in just a minute. We also have uh, Pat Gray from Pat Gray Unleashed, which is a uh, podcast that you can hear wherever you get your uh, podcasts or listen on the Berlay's Radio Network immediately preceding this program. Welcome, Pat. How are you? Good. 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 Doing good. Yeah. You want to start with the fun stuff or the serious stuff? Uh, Let's start with fun stuff because... Okay. Is that more on trivia? More on trivia. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Here's more on trivia. Global warming typically refers to the warming of what planet? Oh my gosh, it's hard. Dang it. Usually uh, I don't know, Pluto. Rip. Pluto? Pluto. <laughs> Same solar system, so you were close. You're close right it's there. Uranus. Right there. Yeah, Uranus. Wow. So, yeah, the weather's changing on Uranus. It's getting warmer. What is socialism? <laughs> oh, whoa. Um, a little premature there on the buzzer, but maybe. I know it's coming. <laughs> maybe. Uh, socializing? Yeah. Socializing? See, you knew Man, that is so on good. the buzzer. Every time. Oh, I was every premature. Time. Nobody ever gets that. No, it's a disease you get from being too social with someone. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Have you ever been too social with someone? Yes. Yeah, have you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me too, Jessica. Okay. Me All too. Right. <laughs> we won't. We won't pry into the details. Well, maybe we will. What we were might. the details? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. What, Is that amazing? What Incredible. planet? Incredible. Global warming. What planet? Right. Yes. And you don't know that. And and okay, the socialism she, thing, I she, think there's been... We ask that almost every week for a couple of years now. And, then and I think there's it. been one, maybe two people who have actually mm. known what it is. It, so no wonder it's 
popular. Popular. I, I love you know, the, no, and I love the things I don't know what what they are. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. I, I love the, uh, the the global warming question in which she picked the one planet that is questionably not even <laughs> not a planet. Even a planet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Global yeah. warming is also the coldest. <laughs> it might be just a hunk of ice. <laughs> and that's uh, every Friday you play that on Packer every Unleashed. Every Friday in the second hour. Okay. Um, uh, but also we are we are eight and two on the season. Amazing, now. eight and two was right again. Don't mm-hmm. want to miss it. Every Friday it happens live. Pat will bring a taste of it in uh, every Monday. Uh, so have you seen Alabama is really putting up the good fight for uh, for for life? They're they're uh, trying their best to allow children to be born, and there's so few states doing it. There's so few of us that are really engaged in the battle i I just admire the fact that they're doing this um there's the the alabama supreme court just upheld the state's fetal homicide law which um is that if you kill a pregnant woman Mm -hmm. you're charged with a double homicide Mm -hmm. and it's the double homicide that allows Mm -hmm. the death penalty to kick in and they just upheld that and one of the justices on the court justice tom parker said it's a logical fallacy for the government to consider a fetus for the purposes of a murder conviction, but not when it comes to a woman deciding to end her pregnancy. That's going to have to be decided now by the Supreme Court. That They're going to have to man up and make this ruling on when life begins. Does it begin well, at inception or does it begin in the birth canal? No, it's, it's choice. <clears throat> it begins at the choice. If the woman was on her way to an abortion clinic and she lost her baby, mm-hmm. would she be charged with the person who, who of course not. You know, was drunk driving? Would they be charged with double homicide? I think it's a choice. I really believe if you've made the choice, then it's and it's the only one that can make the choice. So I think you'd be you'd get double homicide if you were in an accident by a drunk driver. He would be charged with double homicide if you were on your way to Planned Parenthood. Yes. Or, you know, manslaughter Mm -hmm. of two people. Yeah. And I think that's happened. Uh, And it just usually the left even considers the the baby inside being murdered because it's a choice yeah yes have you seen yes. the have it's you unbelievable seen, though the, the the greatest uh example of good being turned into evil and evil being good uh i saw in a video this weekend of this cute little baby mm-hmm. that deserves to be loved deserves to be wanted mm-hmm deserves to be a choice and it's it's despicable it's a planned parenthood ad it's actually not not, it's not not made by that i thought it was it's in support of planned parenthood but made by a different group so like a pack or something did that um it's interesting though that they're just they're not even trying to say it's tissue anymore they're they show this beautiful baby over and over and over during the commercial so you're acknowledging okay that's human life that's a baby right uh but you should choose to be able to kill this baby if you want Wow. Amazing. I, what I, kind of society would do that? There's part of me that commends the ad. Like, here's... At least it's Finally, honest. they're actually yeah. saying what's happening. At yes. least they're admitting right. it. If you can get past that ad and still be pro-abortion, I mean, at least you're freaking committed to it. 
They're not. At least well, they're not isn't lying. That the, isn't that mm-hmm. the scary thing? They weren't it is scary. honest about it mm-hmm. when they didn't think that people would uh, go their way. They are so convinced now that people either that or they're just tired of hiding. You know, like you you mentioned, they're going to claim they're socialists. They're just going to admit it. They're doing that. Uh, and now they're just admitting, yeah, this is human life. We just think you should be able to kill yeah. it. If you Aren't we awesome? Yeah, a couple million yeah. of these are going away uh, every year. Every uh, year. It's pretty awesome of 62 us, 62 huh? million in the mm-hmm. last 45 years, and it's not a problem for us. That's more than, more than Mao killed. Isn't it in some way, though, a more morally consistent argument than it is. the typical pro-choice person yeah, is. who would not admit that? The typical mm-hmm. pro-choice person is going to be turned off by an yeah. ad like that. Look, but you're, you're saying like, oh, well, it's a choice, though. And therefore, I have to let someone else make it, even though I know what's going on. I'm against abortion personally, but it's okay for us to allow it as a society. That is a much less morally consistent viewpoint than the one made by that ad, who's saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we're killing babies. Yes, that's yeah, what we're doing. Yes. Yeah, we're completely fine with it. Yes. And we should encourage it's, it and praise us for it. It's Debbie Wasserman Schultz not being able to admit that her children were children yeah. before they were born. They're children now. That's it's, it's Yeah, that's crazy talk. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy talk. And it makes no sense sense and they know it makes no sense so i guess for some it will be a relief a blessed relief that they don't have to lie anymore yes of course we know i mean we're the science deniers we're the science yeah. deniers that's not a baby before it's born really um so you know now i guess it might be somewhat of a relief to those who know this is a baby and we're just we've been lying about it we just think it's okay to kill it and it is a shocking I've, i tweeted it over the weekend maybe i'll retweet it or Stu, you can retweet it it's a shocking video and mm-hmm. what is to me it looks as though it was it was designed to appeal to a woman yeah if women if women mm-hmm. go down this road and have so lost their their maternal instinct, that instinct to protect a baby, you know, to, when you see a baby, you know, guys don't always, they don't turn to jello all the time, but women usually do. And a baby is a baby. And to see that baby and to say deserves to be a choice. If women go down this road, we are truly lost. Doesn't get much lower than that. Yeah. I think it's, you know, morally reprehensible in the same way slavery was morally reprehensible for the people of that time. Because it's such a similar issue to me. It's so overtly, obviously wrong to me to Mm -hmm. look at, hey, we're just, you know, look, it's a choice. You know, you're going to end the lives of these babies, a couple million a year, and we're just not going to talk about it at all because it's uncomfortable. You know, I would assume back in the day, uh, um, in in the time of slavery, there were a lot of people who were, you know, there's Benjamin Franklin who absolutely, uh, you know, grasped the moral mm-hmm. horror of what slavery was. Mm-hmm. And there were some people who, you know, from the South who were absolutely defended to the death. But there were a lot of people who were, you know, I don't know, it's legal. Like if the, 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 yeah, the government talk, like, I don't acceptance know of it gives people mm-hmm. an, a, a, an argument yes. to not have to think about it. Correct. And that's why it's so awful. Because Correct. anyone in 100 years and 200 years... Anyone who thinks about this and said, wait, what were they doing? They were just, ki- wait, they were just killing all these kids? Like millions of them? How the heck did people stand by and be okay with that? Yeah. And it's because the, the government acceptance of it, and I think this happened in Nazi Germany too. People, you know, yeah, yeah, they're harassing the Jews, but the government accepted, they said it was okay, it was legal, you could do it. 
And so people look the other way, even though they knew, I think, in their heart, that can't possibly be the right thing to do. So I agree with you. Um, I agree with you to some degree with the Jews in Germany. But I just want to point out, when it came to killing children, when Hitler actually started doing that, the people rose up. Yeah. The people, the people who voted for Adolf Hitler, the people who <laughs> were fighting in the, his armies, when he started killing children, even those people rose up and said, this is too far. And we're not there right now. Yeah. And there's never, to me, I don't, I don't know that we've ever had a better opportunity than now to try to do something about Roe v. Wade. We've got five justices who should logically uh, vote the right way on this. If yeah, you, they should. If you push the I'm issue con- all the way to the Supreme Court. I'm not convinced that uh, John Roberts is going to be I'm like not that. either. Oh, and you should I'm have seen it either. Did you see the article this weekend? I know I pulled it, but I don't know where it is He's going to go left. They said, uh, so far, Kavanaugh seems to be... Um, distancing himself himself from Gorsuch and siding more with John Roberts. And this would be, I mean, again, remember, we said this a hundred times during this process, Brett Kavanaugh was not on the original list of Supreme Court justices that Trump put out before the election. He was not on it. They added him Mm. afterwards. And that was a huge problem for all of us because one of the, the big reason why a huge portion of this audience voted for Donald Trump was because of that list. That mm-hmm. twenty-one li- that list of twenty-one Supreme Court justices. They didn't have Brett Kavanaugh on there, and now, I mean, like, look, he was qualified justice, should have been put through, had nothing to do with him being a gang rapist. But I was very nervous of, of him because of the re- the way he would actually rule in these cases. I really hope that's not going to come true. I mean, it's very early. It's too early to know for sure. But I'm, I, I can't say I'm not nervous about it. Mm. I can't say I'm not nervous about it. And if they don't get we've this through, we've been nervous a, about him. I didn't like him from the beginning. From day one. Day one. Um, only yeah. Bureau, because, same thing. Yeah. Same, same thing on that. Only because he just wasn't a, a constitutionalist. He's just yeah. not a strict constitutionalist. And um, not sure, you know, not sure how he will I'm not sure how he will rule. I didn't like the fact that he, you know, hangs around a lot of Jesuits. Uh, and you know, no offense to the Catholic Church, well, but usually any progressive though, anybody who is Catholic mm-hmm. and, and knows Jesuits knows they are wildly progressive. Why? I mean, the the Pope is a is a uh, Jesuit, so I mean, you kind of, you know, that's what you're getting. Mm-hmm. I hope we don't have that with Kavanaugh. Pat, thank you so much. So you're in a you're in a wildfire. We just heard the we just heard that father comfort his daughter. Could you play the could you play the other woman who is in the 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 car and she is uh, praying? Can you play that real quick for me, Sarah? Oh my God! Oh my Fire God. is on He's both God. sides of her. He's God. Oh my God. What are these people? Oh my God! Please leave the horses. How are these people surviving? Where is she going? Where is she going to be eating? Where is she going to be feeding her family? How is she going to afford that? Unless, I mean, I mean, that's just a devastating toll on your family. Please prepare for any disaster. It could be anything. Uh, it could be just an unexpected major medical bill. Please prepare.
My Patriot Supply will help you. They're offering their lowest price on the, of the year on two popular emergency food kits. You just go to preparewithglenn.com. It's the lowest price of the year. The food kits include breakfast, lunch, and dinners that last up to 25 years in storage. Prepare yourself for any eventuality and be self-reliant. Go to preparewithglenn.com. Preparewithglenn.com or call 800-200-7163. Let me go to uh, Kurt. Hello, Kurt. Welcome to the program. Hey, Glenn. How are you? Good. How are you, sir? Good. Hey, um, you were talking about the fires earlier. Uh, my son goes to Pepperdine, and he was part of your leadership last summer. Oh, my gosh. Last one you guys did. It's pretty great. Um, great. But um, when he got out there, he called us the other day, and we were going out for Thanksgiving because we wanted to be able to spend some time with him and not pull him away from his study. Sure. And um, we had an Airbnb. There's several canyons that line around Pepperdine. Sure. And we had an Airbnb place. Uh, they canceled school because so many of the employees' folks have been damaged by the fire. They lost everything. So we called and asked him on Saturday, are you coming home or what do you want to do? He says, yeah, I'm coming home. So we went to cancel our Airbnb. I pulled up this my uh, reservation and it said it's been canceled by the by the host. So I sent this lady a uh, question, hey, are you guys okay? She sent something back. We've been devastated. Our whole house, everything we have is gone. It is. I mean, California is the most beautiful place. But I tell you, I think it's the most dangerous state in the union to live. It is just horrifying what they have gone through recently. And these fires are, are I think, beyond. Do you, would you agree with this? Beyond hurricane understanding. Hurricanes are just devastating. But this just moves in with no warning. And Yeah, you at least have the warning with a hurricane. I mean, it's more tornado-ish, but over a much wider. Yeah. I mean, you wake, go to bed and you wake up and it's your house is gone. At one point over the weekend, it was it was consuming 80 football fields a minute a minute Mm. our thoughts prayers and mercury one on the ground for california wildfires glenn back mercury we want we want to talk to you a little bit about relief factor i want to talk to you about life-changing relief factor for four years now um We've had people at the building here in Dallas taking Relief Factor, and it is I've watched them uh, get out of pain. I started taking it about a year ago, and I have to tell you, uh, the pain I have been dealing with has been debilitating, uh, and I just couldn't take medicine from the doctor anymore. This 100% drug-free, created by doctors. It helps your body's, uh, your body fight against inflation, which is where most of our pain comes from. You can do the three-week quick start, which is what I did. Try it for three weeks. If it doesn't work, then you're only out like, what, 20 bucks. If it does work, you have your life back. And 70% of the people who order the three-week quick start go on to more order more month after month. And that says everything to me. May not work for you. It did work for me. And it's working for 70% of the people who order it every single month after they try it for three weeks. Go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. And uh, order it now. Glenn Beck. Ah! 
This is the sound of an angry mob in Pakistan. And they are they are demanding the execution of a Christian woman for blasphemy. If you're a Christian in the world today, welcome to the first century. Oh, this in Pakistan. Well, yes, it is. And if we continue to have this blasé attitude, the ravenous calls for death of anyone simply for their religious belief. I don't care if it is in China and we are talking about the Muslims that are being rounded up in China now, a million of them in a re-education camp. A million. People are just disappearing The Chinese are taking on the Christians as well. Christians in Pakistan, Christians in the Middle East, Syria, Iraq. People who just will not accept Islam in the in northern Africa. Remember the hashtag bring our children back? Yeah, that did a lot, didn't it? It did nothing. This morning, I urge you, I urge you to put a sign up in your front door of your of your your business, tweet, Facebook. We are all this Pakistani Christian woman today. We must be. If you're not hearing about her plight in church, you should be. We have come full circle where the persecution that Jesus and his apostles in the first century had to endure by the Romans, it's now again standard fare in places like the Middle East. But the cowardice I saw from our cousins in the United Kingdom is what truly has horrified me. It is rare to be a witness to such a cowardly act that the British have just committed And it all centers around this young woman from Pakistan. Here's her story. Asia Bibi, she was picking berries with a few other farm workers in a remote Pakistani field. And this is in 2009. A supervisor asked her to get some water. Well, her life changed forever. You see, Christians in Pakistan have always been on the uh, the receiving end of bigotry and persecution. So it probably wasn't a surprise to Asia when two Muslim women began to fight with her, saying that they would not drink from anything that had been touched by a Christian. But it then spun out of control when the two Muslim women claimed she had insulted Mohammed, a crime punishable by death. Now, there are no witnesses. No one can verify this claim. But she has been in prison since 2009. Now, Pakistan's Supreme Court just acquitted her and set her free. Apparently, it's... This is the kind of bad precedent that you don't want to do if you're in Pakistan. You have to you have to condemn a person to death based off hearsay if it involves the prophet Muhammad. Well, they didn't. The Supreme Court uh, said no, no to that. But the mob didn't care. They wanted blood and they have been out in the streets demanding Asia's death. Crucify her. 
Now, the only chance she has is for her and her family to get the heck out of Dodge before the mob takes justice into their own hands. So you would think that asylum would be an easy slam dunk. I mean, after all, Europe has been taking refugees in by the millions, quite literally by the millions. So why wouldn't they take another refugee from Pakistan? Well, the UK decided not to grant her asylum because they fear, quote, unrest that might spring up in the British streets from uh, certain areas of our population. Okay, you're what you're fearing. Let me translate British bullcrap into English. What the British are saying is. We have so many Islamists, not Muslims, Islamists here that we have taken in and they really control our streets. We are we are too cowardly to even take on the sex ring gangs that are targeting British children. We're too afraid of the the Islamists to even do anything about that. The last thing we can do is help this Christian Because we're afraid. That's really what the British are saying. Where are the people that once said, we shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Where are those people? Where is that courage? Where is that decency? If you want to know what true manifested cowardice is, I give you today's British government. It pains me to say it. And to the women's marchers and the new wave feminists. If you want to know what a real war on women is and real bigotry, try being a woman and God forbid a Christian woman in a place like Pakistan. And now, apparently, in places like the UK. History will say shame on them. Shame on them. If we don't step in and be who we always have been. The MS St. Louis is a black stain on our history. A group of Jewish immigrants who were being targeted by the Nazis. They went to every country in the Western Hemisphere, including us, and we turned them around. We sent them back to their death. Let's not do it again. President Trump, Mike Pence, Mike Lee, Ted Cruz, I beg you, please. Grant this woman and her family immediate asylum here in the United States. Now is the time to stand and lead and show the world our compassion and how great we are because we stand for people who are truly targeted. If we fail to stand for this Muslim woman and her family, this, I'm sorry, Christian woman and her family, who is going to die, she will die. 
if we don't stand for her, what are we all fighting about? What are we all fighting for? What are we all trying to save? What are we trying to convince our friends and family that America is important if we won't stand for her? And should we fail, the world is showing us right now, no one will do it in our absence. It's Monday, November 12th. You're listening to the Glenbeck Program. Please call the White House, tweet the White House, Facebook the White House, Facebook your members of Congress. We must help this woman. We must help this woman. And you know what? It's a great way to show that we are not afraid of people who look different than us we're not afraid of of uh, immigrants we're not uh we're not tone deaf to those who actually need asylum please mr president please please this should be a slam dunk for it just has to get to the president because this is a slam dunk for him this is a way that he can show that he's not racist, show that he's, he's not afraid of immigrants, you know, and take a firm stand against the Islamists. We cannot cower. Great Britain is lost. It's lost. When it's afraid to actually say the real reason in plain language, we're afraid of our own immigrant population. That's terrifying. Her name is Asia Bibi, B-I-B-I, Asia Bibi. Keep her in your prayers and please um, do everything you can to get the attention of those in Washington that can grant her immediate asylum. She could be dead by tomorrow if they don't get her and her family out of there. So one thing, too, that Mike Pence has been big on his you know, yes. for, for much longer than he's been vice president. Yes. Uh, making sure that these things get handled correctly. And uh, I, I got it. It's one of those things that I think if, if a big enough deal is made of it. Yes. They will do the right thing. On yes, it. I think they will. I think they will. OK, we want to talk a little bit about the news of the day and also um, some gun stats because gun laws are on the way uh, the house says they are going to do everything they can under pelosi to make sure that they have common sense gun control so we're going to get into that when we come back first if i can tell you about our sponsor this half hour it's american finance if you're having if you're having financial problems uh you may be solicited uh, by credit repair services to settle your debts for less but there are costs involved in that, high cost, including fees to the settlement company and taxes on your debt uh, write-off. So don't be fooled. Make sure that if you're looking for debt consolidation 
or a lowering of your monthly debt, that you research all of the options. When you consolidate debt, you're moving it into a new loan that you pay off, a loan with much more competitive interest rates. So you're not just throwing money away on interest rates and never paying down the principal. And because you're paying off your own debt, your credit's not going to take a hit. In fact, you might be able to increase your credit score. And if you're a homeowner, you can take the smarter approach and get started with a consolidation loan right now. American Financing. They've been helping so many people in similar situations over the years. They have salary-based mortgage consultants that continue to save customers anywhere from $500 to $1,000 a month. Why not see what they can do for you? Call American Financing at 800-906-2440. That's 800-906-2440. Or online at AmericanFinancing.net. That's AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. We're glad you're here. The... Divide is getting worse and worse in America. Uh, there's a new poll out. How do you feel about Republicans? How do you feel about Democrats? 61% of Democrats see Republicans, 61% see Republicans as racist, bigoted, and sexist. 31% of Republicans say they view Democrats with the same light. The percentage saying that at least they would be somewhat bothered if someone in their family married uh, somebody from the other party. Democrats, 50%. 50% say they'd be bothered if somebody, you know, if somebody in their family married a Republican. 32% conservatives and Republicans say that they would be bothered if somebody in their family married a Democrat. About half of Democrats think Republicans are ignorant and spiteful. Half of Republicans, 49%, say that Democrats are ignorant and spiteful. 21% of Democrats think Republicans are evil. 23% of Republicans think that Democrats are evil. 22% who provided an open-ended description of Republicans... 22 included words like selfish, greedy, corrupt, spineless, fearful, and bad. How do Republicans describe Democrats in their own word? 26% socialist, angry, hypocritical, uninformed, power-hungry, and violent. Here's the good news. 4% of us think the other side is fair. Three to four percent say they think the other side is thoughtful. Two to three percent think both parties uh, think the other side is kind. By the way, all of those are within the margin and of error. It, it, it <laughs> could, could be, be zero <laughs> or maybe negative one in yeah, certain yeah. circumstances. That's, that's terrifying. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's interesting, too, that, you know, this seems to be getting so much worse there's always been that divide, right? Like, I, I just feel like now people uh, have made it into their life. It dominates their life. We were talking about CNN a little bit uh, earlier about how, you know, their coverage is obviously biased. I'm fascinated by how, not, not even biased. It's it, it, To me, it's not that. It's the obsession. They are completely obsessed with Donald Trump. 
every single news story they make about him. The fires. It's incredible. The number one story yeah. on CNN, mm-hmm. the fires. But it is about His Donald tweets. Trump's tweets. His freaking tweets about the fires. There's 31 people dead. And the best thing you can think about to talk about is Donald Trump's tweets about the topic. That is incredible. And they just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Every story, every angle, anything you can do. They have professional people who are on those panels every day that just come on and make every story about this one man. This is not how our country was supposed to be designed. It's not supposed to be about a king. They treat him as if he's king, that he controls everything that they do. He's the president of the United States. He's part of one branch of government. He's ahead of it. He's an important figure in our country. There's no doubt about uh, about it that probably he comes up every day, right? There's just some story every day that's probably worth mentioning with the president of the United States. That does not mean 25 stories in a row every hour. It shouldn't be about that. Forget whether it's Democrat or Republican. We got to the point where, with Barack Obama, that we actually banned his name on the air. Yeah. Because because we were just, it, it was too much. It's too much. People are obsessed had, over this. We had a swear jar. <laughs> we had a swear jar. <laughs> That's right. you, well, how much did you have to put in? You had to put in uh, was it $25, $25 every time. Bucks? Or 20 bucks every time you said his name. Yeah. And so we had to get to very good at saying, well, the, the current think, president is. Yeah, uh, I, I think you, I think Pat at one point had to put in a thousand dollars. Oh, it was uh, more than that. And he was. Uh, but there was one time where he was like, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it all day and I don't care. Oh, yeah. And he ponied up. Uh, but <laughs> it, it really is. It, it's a sickness. And if you don't catch yourself, it'll just spiral out of control. I, I, you know, and we felt a lot better when we weren't talking about him. Oh, yeah, totally. I, and I don't you know. Look, I. It's not that the, those issues aren't important, but if you think about the way it's it's more serious than just okay, well, the, you know, Donald Trump is setting the the agenda for everybody, I guess, and, and and you know, it's supposed to be a country in which that does not dominate. There's not one person with enough power to dominate everyone's life and conversation, and I think it's not it's something where we've ignored the founding principles of this country as far as uh, you know how it was designed. Uh, in in effort to pursue this sort of like it's a sport right like it it's a it's mm-hmm. such a team thing that all we can do is talk it's about what the religion. big story is right it's becoming religion it really is becoming religion it's it it's, it's going beyond sports people it compare is. you know being a red sox fan or something to a religious experience or whatever mm-hmm. like it's it's beyond this yeah. and and there's no reason for it donald trump doesn't have control over over the wildfires set in california he has no control over that whatsoever in the future maybe he could change some policies that might help he obviously has an opinion that uh, the government has screwed it up in california which i would you know i don't know I, about his specifics but generally I, speaking would be pretty competent that government in california screwed up the issue i will tell you i don't know his specifics either yeah. but as someone who grew up in the west it's a very different mindset i grew up in the pacific northwest and it's a very different mindset washington is so far removed from the problems of the land and the landscape uh that you, you just growing up you just knew it if the federal government was going to get involved they were going to screw the land up mm-hmm. because they weren't good stewards of it um they I'm telling you, the federal government has done a lot. 
to help these wildfires burn out of control. But it's not the federal government's uh, fault. It's it's a natural disaster. Can we talk about how to help people? Back. Mercury. I've been sleeping on my Casper mattress for a while, and I would pick it over any mattress that I have ever had. In fact, I I did pick it. Um, I I bought it, sent it to my house. I tried it for, I think, five days. I actually was honest, which I don't know if everybody appreciates this, but uh, I said, I'm not sure I like it. Well, it took me a few more days before I really started to have my body settle down. I love this bed. It is Casper. It's a no-brainer. All you have to do is just order it and try it for 100 nights. If you don't have the experience that I have, they come and pick it up and they refund every single dime. So put Casper to the test in your home. The only way to test a mattress is by sleeping on it night after night, risk-free, for 100 nights. Casper.com slash Glenn and use the promo code G-L-E-N-N. That'll get you $50 towards the purchase of your brand new mattress at Casper.com slash Glenn. Promo code Glenn. Get $50 off the purchase of select mattresses at Casper.com slash Glenn. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. So I tweeted a story from The Blaze. I think it was on Friday or Saturday. A Hollywood actor tweets in support of gun control accidentally admits to breaking California law. There were many ways I could uh, go with that story uh, on Twitter. Uh, but I, it was about Ashton Kutcher, and I decided to go a different way. So I, I started a thread with him, and um, it was quite interesting to watch, especially the way it ended. Uh, I tweeted, um, no disrespect, Ashton, as you stated, guns are not for hunting or simply to protect your home. And for those who say you can't fight the U.S. government, see Afghanistan. Plus, school violence is down by 33 percent since 1993. Gun homicides are down by 49 percent. Gun crime is down by 75 percent. He responds, more lives are lost in seven weeks in the U.S. to guns than seven years in the Iraq war. Let's make this about data, Glenn. Okay, well, I, I did in the last one, but I didn't get hostile. I said, okay, let's. Now, first of all, Stu, would you tr- please try to find any verification more lives are lost in seven weeks in the U.S. than guns in seven years? Because I cannot find anything close to that. Yeah, stat. I mean, I, again, that's eliminating one entire side of the war, right? Like, if you're saying, you're, I guess he's assuming U.S. troops, right? No, I looked it up, even U.S. troops. I don't, it's not Let accurate. me look at it. You, you look at it. Okay, so he said, let's make this about data. I wrote back, okay, let's. Ten people a day die in a pool in the u.s 75 percent of those are children we could eliminate almost all pools yes the very rich criminal may still get their hands on an indoor in-ground illegal pool but at a much lower rate than illegal guns also suicide was the second leading cause of death among individuals between the ages of 10 and 34 and the fourth leading cause of death among individuals between the ages of 35 and 54 there were more than twice as many suicides 44,965 in the united states as there were homicides 19,362 um the reason why i brought this up i'm missing one of the tweets is uh, because uh, i i said you're 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 conflating numbers uh, here. Uh, also, overdose, 
overdose deaths from opioids, include prescription opioids and heroin, have increased by more than five times since 1999. Overdoses involving opioids have killed more than 42,000 people in 2016 alone. Remember, homicides are down 19,362. We also keep hearing about the shootings when the truth is a kid is safer in school today than in 1990. Much, much, much safer. By the way, I was in school in 1990. Uh, So I was actually four times as likely to be killed in a school shooting than kids are going to go to school today. That is impossible to to believe, but it is absolutely true. The difference, the only difference really is to, to just to make a quick point here is that now we're talking about big media events, right? Now it's one kid shooting 13 people at a school, right? And that obviously turns into media celebrity type of event, which again, I argue is a huge driver of this stuff. If the media would stop talking about it, and we have, we've stopped, we do not talk about their manifestos, except for very brief mentions if there's something vital. We never say their names. We don't go into all their reasoning because that gives them what they want. But beyond that, I mean, four times is safe. Back then, it was people picking off each other one by one. It was spread over a f- much larger amount of the schools. I mean, school that it happened a lot more commonly because it wasn't necessarily these, these mass shooting events. They're scary, but they're built for media consumption, and that is a huge driver of this stuff. So you're four times safer in school today than you were in 1990. And I wrote to Ashton... Unless MS-13 is around, they kill four times as many people than mass shooters. And yet, Google MS-13. You will mainly find stories that are anti-Trump. By the way, MS-13 guns are illegal. Uh, Then he writes back and says, I'm not isolating the argument to mass shootings. Great. Neither am I. All gun-related death and <laughs> violence down, for him. <laughs> down dramatically since 1990. If we want to make a difference, we should join forces to help those in places like Chicago, where strict gun laws haven't helped at all. How can we together stop the killing in Chicago? Then the last tweet is, on another note, I have great respect for the work you do on sex trafficking. I raised money to start Operation Underground Railroad, as well as the Nazarene Fund, to free slaves in the Middle East. We may disagree on many things, but not on the value of freedom and human life. After, after that tweet, others got involved, and the tone by the end had completely changed. Um, others got, why don't you tell us what his response, what do you mean others got involved? Uh, did I miss one of his responses? I, I don't know. This yeah, was no, your... that was, no, that was his response. So wait, so he came out and Said, tried three keep or a... four points, yes. failed on all of them, and mm-hmm. then just stopped responding? Yes. That was the approach to the conversation? Yes. Was he playing his character from that 70s show? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because okay. sure. uh, I will say, too, that Ashton Kutcher has, you right, done some good things. He, he said has. some things that I think have been beneficial a lot of people just don't know i mean you know when when you're surrounded by a media that tells you the reason why we have shootings is because the nra donated five thousand dollars to some congressional candidate well of course you believe this nonsense i mean you believe the nra is in control of all gun policy in the united states despite having literally no power people can vote for whoever they want The, the nra doesn't make you vote for anyone people can vote in whoever they want and still we're told this stuff a lot of people, I would assume, particularly in Hollywood, believe it. I mean, what are they going to do? They're going to believe it. 
Well, did you see that um, the uh, some doctors were very upset and they said, you know, hey, uh, uh, you know, I, I see bullets in kids all the time. I work at an emergency room and uh, guns have to be taken off the streets. Mm-hmm. And I'm an expert in this. No, you're an expert in pulling the bullets out of bodies. That's what you're an expert at. You're, you're, you, you may be an expert at witnessing the, the traumatic ends to illegal guns. However, uh, when I tweeted back to this doctor, you know, wh- where do you work? Wh- what? Are you in California? Are you in New York? Are you in Chicago? Because if you are, you're in, you're in the capitals of no gun zones. Yeah. And I can guarantee you the bullets that you're pulling out at a high rate are from illegal guns. Right. Uh, you know, um, there's a big article in the Washington Post. This one came after, I think, the Vegas shooting. But they've been updating it because, uh, you know, it gets passed around every time there's another mass shooting. And it talks about the, the, the deaths. First of all, to your point, I think the same way. There's been 25 mass shootings in California. Well, California is a place that has the most restrictive gun laws in America. Um, maybe Connecticut and Maryland you could throw into that conversation as well. But California is right near the top of making it incredibly difficult. And the cities make it even more difficult. So it's, 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 it's a terrible argument to argue for gun control on mass shootings. The mass shootings are happening in areas with gun control. Of course, we all know that almost every single one of them happens in a place where all guns are banned for any purpose in a gun-free zone. But the entire state of California, which is, is the place, as the Washington Post points out, is the central location for the most of these mass shootings, has the gun laws that every liberal Democrat would wish to pass. It's a fever dream to pass in California what you would get nationally. In fact, most of these things aren't even things that Barack Obama was asking for. They've gone further than, than even what Barack Obama was asking for, given the political realities of the United States and the diverse populations represented. So that is gun control obviously doesn't doesn't prove that. But when you look at really like the, the statistics, I think they get down to one thousand one hundred and thirty five killed in mass shootings. That is way too many. It should be zero. We all know it. But you pointed out the pool stat and I'm taking this for I didn't look this up myself. What did you say? It was ten Per day, something like that. Ten per day. Ten per day killed in pools. That's three, you know, uh, 3,650, you know, uh, per year. Is that right? Mm, Yeah. No, it's it's, it's more than that, I think. I mean, whatever. It's a lot. And certainly is going to pass what's killed in in mass shootings. Look, it is not comforting. Ten dollars, ten people a day, 75% of them are children. It's incredible. Ten, yeah. and, and it's no comfort to someone who's, God forbid, been a victim of one of these or have a family member mm-hmm. been a victim of one of these. But, I mean, the, the, the bottom line is that is these are rare, events are incredibly rare. The, I, the odds of you being involved in one of these are so insurmountable that it, it's almost impossible to stop them. It's certainly, I would say, impossible to stop these things. In a, in, a, in a country that already has 400 million guns on the streets. You go out there and try to... There's no way to stop them. I believe you can do some damage to this type of event. You can slow down these types of events through media. I think that's... you know We've, we've talked about studies that have shown that that would really do something. 
you can obviously secure certain areas, but all you're doing is going to, you're going to free up those areas to the, the shootings to happen in other areas, right? Like we all talk about school security because we're most focused on trying to protect children. Though, as you point out, it's four times, uh, you're four times more likely to be killed in a school shooting in, 19, in the 1990s than you are today. But we talk about school uh, security just because, you know, here are our most vulnerable people and, and it's the hardest to deal with when it happens in a school. But if it didn't happen in a school and we secured all of them with giant walls around them and everyone wear bulletproof vests every day, they just go down the street to the supermarket or they go somewhere else. You're not going to be able to stop them completely. It's just not plausible. And when you look at California and you look at Chicago, where we have so many gun deaths, what do they have in common? Despair. Emptiness. There is a problem. There is a problem. We know it. We can recognize a problem in the inner city in Chicago. We know there's there's a problem of fatherlessness. There's whatever. We know there's there's a long list. California. What's the problem in California? I contend the same thing. Dad might might be at home. But th- th- those families are completely different in some of these major cities in California. And I don't mean, oh, there's two dads. I mean, the values are gone. The, the, the meaning of life. What is the meaning of life? What gives people purpose? It's very, very shallow water in parts of California. Let's have that conversation. All right, I want to tell you a little bit about FilterBuy. FilterBuy uh, is a great company uh, where they make filters here in America. They actually they actually saved a family business and uh, retooled this factory so they could save all the working uh, people. And this town was built around this factory, and they were about to go down. and uh, And the owner um, looked at his his wife, and it was her grandfather's factory. And he said, we got to do something to save these jobs and save this factory. So they built FilterBuy. Now they are America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. You can choose from over 600 sizes, all made here in America, including custom options. And they'll ship free within 24 hours. If you're like me and you need the reminder, hey, dummy, change the filter. You get a 5% discount when you order and you subscribe for auto replacement. So you're never going to forget again to change your filters because they arrive at the doorstep. All orders ship for free within 24 hours. Save 5% when you subscribe. Set it and forget about it. It's so much easier than going to the hardware store or having to special order filters. Filter by. They're going to save you time, money, and help you breathe better at filterbuy.com. That's filterbuy.com. To our veterans, never forget. Thank you. Thank you so much for everything that you have done. Um, there's a unbelievable story about our, our VA system where many of our veterans are not even receiving any of their benefits now. It's so screwed up. We've got to fix that. But thank you, veterans, for doing what you do. And I want you to know there are people that that really get it. I'm going to introduce you tonight uh, to somebody that I had on a podcast on uh, on Saturday. His name is Rishi Sharma. He's 21 years old. He's from California. 
he was he was just an avid reader of history when he was a kid started reading about world war ii and just fell in love with these veterans and one night just called a veteran out of the blue and he said it was like at two o'clock in the morning his time and uh he said hey i'm sorry i was and he was 16 is this, is this really you and the guy's like call me back tomorrow <laughs> so he's gone on the road now and he has done these interviews and he wants to interview all the remaining um uh world war ii veterans before they die he does at least one a day every single day listen to a bit of this interview if we have it, Sarah. I've interviewed just over 900 veterans so far, but there are definitely a few that really, you know, play in your mind after you've interviewed the veteran. And one in particular is a veteran who I interviewed out in Pennsylvania in the Pittsburgh area named Mr. Florentine. What is your full name, sir? David Joseph Florentine. Where and when were you born? I was born in New Brighton, Pennsylvania. January 21st, 1926. At 16 years old, he was going in first wave uh, on Tarawa, uh, which is a, called the B-8 Toe Atoll. And basically it's an island that's 800 feet across uh, wide mm. and just a mile long. Wow. And 3,000 Marines were killed and wounded Jeez. in a three-day battle there. And about 25,000 Japanese were all killed. Only about Holy 20 of them cow. were taken prisoners. And... Uh, Mr. Florentine, as he went in on the landing craft, his sergeant, uh, Sergeant Yoakum, kept telling everyone to keep their heads down because they were taking on enemy fire. And Mr. the way Mr. Florentine was saying it, you could feel like you were there. I don't know what made Listen him do to this. the whole uh, interview. It's about 90 minutes. You can hear it uh, online now. And uh, it's at the Glenn Beck podcast. It was Saturday's podcast. Also, tonight, 5 p.m., just an incredible story from an incredible 21-year-old man. Glenn Beck. Welcome to the program. It is Monday, and we have, uh, we have with us a, a guy who played for the New York Jets, Los Angeles Raiders, uh, a former, obviously, NFL player, and... Super Bowl champion. Yes, I just had to check his finger to see if I could see the ring. Yeah, Super Bowl champion. Uh, his name is Burgess Owens, a friend of the show. He's been on with us for a while. He has a new book out called Why I Stand, uh, From Freedom to the Killing Fields of Socialism. How are you, sir? Glenn, good seeing you again, my friend. Good seeing good you. Be back. First of all, let, let's introduce your friend here, uh, and we'll, we'll get to your story here in just a second. Uh, but this is Mac, Mac White. White. Okay. Hi, Mac. Hi, how are you doing? How are you? Welcome. I'm good. Thank glad you. you're here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Um, okay, so tell me, tell me <laughs> the, the, the idea behind this book, because you are, whew, you say it like it is, 1910 NAACP. Well, you know, Glenn, um, the book basically highlights the fact that what we've done together is is remarkable. We have a country that from the very beginning was based on what we the people can do together. Mm -hmm. And uh, the history that we've lost is what we've done regardless of race, because we have such great hearts. We, we reach out to those who are needy, those who are at risk. Uh, that's been our nature. And, um, and the reason why I brought Mac with me today is because we need to get that done again. We need to realize that there is an invisible generation out there of kids that 
have not been given opportunities that many of us have gotten. They have not been taught about respect and commitment and love and all those things that we kind of take for granted. And once they get it, they will be our strongest advocates for our, our American way. I think that's going to be the generation will bring our country back. And before we get to the solutions, which is the main point, but you you point out that this was intentionally done to African-Americans. Oh, absolutely. Now, what we have to recognize is we're in a fight for the heart and soul of our nation. Uh, the Judeo-Christian values we have are very unique. We're the only country that's ever done it this way, and that's why we're the greatest country in the history of mankind. At the same time, we have an adversary, the socialist Marxist and atheists, who are anti-God, who wants to destroy us in any way possible. And for those who understand the history of the black community, uh, one thing, for instance, that I don't, I don't even know if you know this, but in 1905, Tuskegee Institution, where we've talked about quite a bit, mm-hmm. led, uh, was producing more self-made millionaires than Harvard, Yale, and Princeton combined. Mm-hmm. And this is the way Americans do it, when we have freedom, hope, and opportunity. And every race has done the same thing. Those things we not, have not heard about. But that race, that community, was purposely undermined because it was such a threat to the leftists. So that that the leftist piece is still there. They're now still attacking our country, have, have destroyed basically the black family, and we'll get it back. We're in the process now. We have young people like Mac who's super committed to his family, and I'm excited about what he represents. Okay, so, so Mac, let me hear your story. What, tell me about yourself. Um, I was born and raised in Houston, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, went, uh, lived in foster homes. Uh, my mom was separated from my mom when I was probably like four or five. She had me at 20. Uh, she kind of wasn't ready to have a child. Mm-hmm. So I had to deal with the um, consequences of that. Mm-hmm. And um, I lived with my aunt for a little bit. Then basically jumped around from house to house. Um, staying with my dad or, you know, different girlfriends he would have. Kind of really no uh, stable place mm-hmm. all the time because uh, him and my stepmom had, like, a, a dysfunctional relationship. Mm-hmm. So it was always a lot of fighting and going on and um, a lot of arguing. Uh, they never really learned how to work things out. So it was always he would just leave and pack up and leave and we'd go stay somewhere else or I would get dropped off somewhere. And... um just by the time I was probably a teenager, I started getting involved with, you know, drugs and gangs and uh, hustling because my dad didn't have a job. And his girlfriend at the time, she didn't have a job. So I kind of was like providing for myself for like cl- clothes and food. And when I was 16, I ended up, well, I dropped out of high school. And then by the time I was 16, I was uh, charged with two counts of aggravated robbery. And I was sentenced to three years. Uh, Texas Youth Commission in Gainesville, Texas. How'd that work out? Which one? The, uh, <laughs> the, the prison. Um, it was rough. It was rough. But at the um, now that I look at it, I think that was the best thing that could ever have happened to me, just because the simple fact that I was just on this path of destruction, and it was just because I had no hope. You know, just growing in the community that I grew up in. And uh, the environment and uh, the household, um, you kind of just grow up hopeless. So what was the turning point? You found hope in prison? Um, I didn't find hope in prison. I found just realization with everything that I believed in in the streets. The 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 Everything that I was looking for in there was the same thing I wanted in my household. It's just that I didn't find it in the household. 
So I went other places to go find it. It's kind of like a uh, a teenager that um, feel like they can't talk to their parents about something. Mm-hmm. So they go talk to a friend. But, you know, they might talk to somebody the same age as them. So it's kind of like the blind leading the blind. <laughs> right, You're not going to get right. the best information from that person. Right. But that's just the only person at that time that you feel like um, you can run and talk to. So with my situation was the guys that were in my neighborhood, um, the ones I felt like I could talk to that could help me, that I would get that love and everything I was looking for in the family out of those gangs or, you know, the friends and I mean, being 13, you can't really have a job at that age. And you don't, we don't, we're not taught how to fill out applications. Right. A lot of us can't even read. Um, we don't know about finances or anything. The only thing we know is just what our community has to offer. And nine times out of 10 is um, selling drugs or robbing people. The only way to survive. And that's what we see growing up as kids. Um, I always say like um, when you, I always like to say that a lot of kids never come out of the womb throwing up gang signs or, you know, any of this stuff yeah. that a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and it's something that is taught. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's easy. Kids are so vulnerable. I mean, the first person to get to them is going to have the biggest impact mm-hmm. and going to be able to um, change their mindset to where they want it to be. And that's what you have a lot of times in those environments, too, as well. But. It's just a cycle because those people are just doing what was done to them. Mm-hmm. Can I just say, uh, because the key is there's something that happened that allowed you to change that trajectory. And why don't you explain that to Glenn? Because this is really, when it comes about we the people, what we've done as a people to help mm-hmm. each other, that's really, I think, uh, what, what what I think we can highlight with Mac. So explain mm-hmm. what happened that got you out of that that uh, that the trajectory you're heading into. Uh, as far as like when Carmen, I got out. Carmen and Steve. And um, so... All right, so when I was in jail, it, it gave me a lot of time to reflect on a lot of things that I did, and then I start realizing that those things I believed in, those people that got to me first when I was a kid, um, that I believed in those things, and when I saw what those things got me and that this was the end point right here is jail or either a graveyard, um, I had to start finding a new um, way of thinking, but not knowing how to because I didn't have anybody to teach me my father said to me when i was young i said i'm never going to be like you and he said son i'm proud of you i didn't want to be like my father either he said but if you don't find someone to model you will be exactly like me and that's kind of the problem you don't have any place so where did you find the model okay so when i got released from jail um i received a a card from a lady um that was a a co-founder on a project called one heart mm-hmm. and she sent me a postcard that had the uh, one heart project like the the um, label of like mm-hmm. the, i guess they were going to do a film and it had like all her information on the back basically wanting me to contact her so i did and then when i contacted her she basically asked me a lot of questions um and just asked about my crime how serious it was asked me what was I doing now? Where did I want to be in life? And just basically just having conversations, mm-hmm. just seeing where my mind was. And I didn't think anything of it. I thought she just wanted to talk to me and then have something to tell at the end of the movie or something like that, mm-hmm. like from mm-hmm. a real actual person that was at mm-hmm. the game. And um, 
she ended up contacting me again and I met with her and her family. Mother's Day, they drove from Dallas to Houston. It was just me and my dad. Uh, Cause when I got out, I went back to the same environment that was that brought you into prison. Exactly. So that was one of those things. It was like, I got out and then, Hey, close the mm-hmm. door, you know, figure it out. Mm-hmm. And luckily I was blessed enough to actually, what I like to consider her, my angel. Um, she came and she asked me to, did I want to come live with them? And she was going to help change my life. Holy cow. That, that is mm-hmm. risky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was risky. scary for me too, because, um, I don't, I don't want to say this, but I can't help it. It's not common for a white person to want to come help a, a, a black kid, especially a young black kid from where I'm from. Cause either they hate us or they fear us. You know, um, nobody really takes the time to understand us or understand our situation. Um, and a lot of times I feel like, um, the media portrays that because the news only shows you, um, the two gangbangers that had a shootout, but they don't never yeah. do a story on those gangbangers 10 years ago when their dad was in prison or their mom was strung out on crack and they had to find ways. It's some crazy stories. Um, if a lot of people would hear them, a lot of people would say, I don't know if I would have been able to make it through that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so just, um, going through that but back to um the topic i'm sorry I that's okay no that's okay <laughs> so 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 how has your how has your life changed now what so are you doing now? so it's changed when the lady took <clears throat> me in she put her hand on me on my hand and she said um if you come with me i will take your life to a level you never thought was possible and at the end of the day my whole reason for um finding that realization that i need to change my way of, uh, of thinking I felt like this was what I needed right here to help me completely change that. Mm -hmm. And then also take action because I actually wanted to make some out of my life. I just didn't know what I wanted because I never dreamed past 21 because I didn't think I would make it to be 21 or even be a free man at 21. Um, What do you do now? I do acting, modeling. I do speaking um, and um, like mentoring, but individually, like on my own with like, younger people mm-hmm. that I've encountered with that I want to help. Can I say this? I've taken Mac. Mac has spoken to about 30 young people in, in, in the juvenile system and they are mesmerized by his story because what he does best is leave the message. If I can do it, you can do it. He takes away excuses that you, you, you can't, he takes away the thought you cannot make in this country that this is a place you have a second chance. If given it and you go for it, you can change your life. I don't know anybody that could make it in today's uh, world, especially African-Americans, after being told all the time, young girls now, you're not going to make it. It's a system is a rape culture. It's against you. I wouldn't. Have, I mean, I grew up in a poor family and my father was, you know, a, a small businessman, kind of a failing businessman, Willie Loman kind of guy. Suicide in my family, divorce, blah, blah, blah. We've all had our share of problems. But the one thing that was instilled in me was. You can do anything you set your mind to. And if you don't have that, and in fact, you have a society telling you this society is against you, you'll never make it because of them. <clears throat> and see, you, my, you, don't, you don't have a chance. And my story is I grew up in the Deep South, in Tallahassee segregated community, KKK and Jim Crow. And it's a very successful community, though, because in that community, there were people who believed in our country, who believed in God, they believed in the family unit. And their goal was to to show those who didn't believe in them that they can make it happen. 
So uh, for me to look back 50 years later and see the message that you see, you're so correct. The messages are so different now. Uh, for us to tell young people like Mac that you can't make it in this country is stealing their dreams. Mm-hmm. It's the worst that Americans do to another American. And yet we have it. It's almost a, it's a business now. People make millions of dollars by giving the message of hopelessness. And so this is why we have to, to recognize if we're going to change the trajectory of our country, we need to make sure our kids know that this is the greatest place in history of mankind. We tell, me about, tell me about your great, what was it, your great-great-grandfather? <clears throat> oh, great, thanks. Great-great-grandfather, uh, Silas Burgess, came to this country in the Belle of a Slave Ship in 1848, uh, sold on an auction block in uh, Charleston, South Carolina with his mother. Mm. His mother um, either committed suicide, uh, took her life or escaped. She couldn't take it anymore, yeah. the, 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 the heinous things was happening to her. Mm-hmm. And uh, so at age eight, he was an orphan, but he had men around him that believed that they could, they still had hope and they escaped, took the southern route of the Underground Railroad, facilitated by uh, Mexican and German Americans, and made his way out to Smithfield, Texas, um, where he became a very successful entrepreneur, owned 100 acres of land, bought it two years, started first black church, first uh, black elementary school, pillar of his community, uh, Republican, proud American. Mm. And that is what the American way is all about. It doesn't matter how we got here, as long as you have hope. And that's what people like Mac, I think, is is a future of our country. They're finding out that this is a place that can make it if given the chance, if given hope. And once they get that, it's like the Harriet Tubman that I've come to love when I was a 12-year-old kid. She not only escaped, but went back 20 times, mm-hmm. helped 300 people because that was her love and empathy for people. And that's what Mac is doing now. He's going back. And telling his kids, you can make it, you can do it, I'm here to help you, we'll make it happen. And he, he'd helped his uh, four, four or five of his friends to come out after they came out of the, the same situation. And that's the heart of Americans. So we, knew, know, we continue to do that. It doesn't matter what color we are. It's who we are. It's uh, those values we have in us, inside of us that say there's a God in heaven, that if we do the right thing, we, we give as much as we can, that we'll be blessed, and they will be blessed in the same process. Thank you for coming, Mac. Oh, um, you can see it in your eyes. You are a good man. You know how you can look people, you know, eyes are windows to the soul. Mm-hmm. You know, look at somebody, you're, a, you're really a good man. Thank I'm, you, thank you. I'm happy that, uh, <clears throat> that you took the risk and this woman took a risk. She's still yeah. alive? Yeah, oh, yeah she's, she's actually here. She, she's here? She, she, she's here? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you got to bring Car- her Car- in. Yeah. And there's okay. also Steve, who's also uh, the... The founder of One Heart, co-founder of One Heart. Okay, hang on just a second. I'll take a quick break. I just want to say hi to her real quick. We have to have her in. Um, all right. Our sponsor this half hour is Relief Factor. <clears throat> Relief Factor is something that uh, will help you if you are in pain of any sort. We have people who are on a, you know, sports injuries or, or whatever. It reduces inflammation. It's 100% natural. It has four key ingredients. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> it's not a problem to take it. It's, you know, it's, it's natural. So... If you're in pain and you have constant pain, I know what it's like, and you kind of feel your life slip away from you, it is so worth a dollar a day. Now, this is a trial pack. You can try it for three weeks. It's $19.95. You try it for those three weeks. If it does not work for you, you're out $19.95. If it does, and it does for 70% of the people who try it, Continue to do it every single month. You take three, you know, three packs a day. This these little um, all natural pills. It reduces the inflammation in your body, which is the main source of pain in our life. Uh, it's drug uh, free and an easy way to get your life back. Go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. 
We're uh, we're back with Burgess Owens, who um, uh, brought a young kid. How, how old is Mac? Mac's twenty nine now. Twenty nine. Yeah. Um, and uh, and he was just telling us a story that when he got out of prison, he met you, Carmen. Uh, and he said it's really rare that somebody actually cares. And you reached out and said, "I'll help you turn your life around." What 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 do you do? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> um. So it it has a backstory. I had previously helped um, my ex-husband and I had helped a guy from the I Have a Dream Foundation. Uh And we put him through um, a private school and just watched him blossom. He now has a family and a beautiful job and, you know, just a great, we had a great experience with him. But Steve is not like Mac. Mac was very chill on your show. Mac Mm -hmm. is like Will Smith. Like he's huge, big, big, big. And so he has such a strong personality that when I pulled him in, he kind of pushed me to help all of his friends. So it wasn't just Mac. We helped. When I was working like front lines of One Heart Project, there was probably 14 people that we were getting jobs, getting them cars, you know. And you've seen lasting impact? I have seen absolutely lasting impact. I would trust Mac um, in any situation. Um, and, and his friend David, who is his best friend, mm-hmm. um, who's an MMA fighter now, and just they're, they're contributors now to society. Right. Can, can I add to this? Because uh, the problem we're having in our juvenile system, there's a 70% recidivism rate. 70% of those kids go back within months. What One Heart has done because of the curriculum and the way they change the way these kids think and people like Mac helping along, they've gotten down to 18%. Uh, this wow. is this is Baylor wow. University's keeping up status uh, statistics statistics for for one heart. So the key is is not just being busy; it's having impact where these kids can really change what they think, and therefore moving forward and uh, and have an impact on on others like them. The name of the book is "Why I Stand from Freedom uh, to the Killing Fields of Socialism" by Burgess Owens. It, Burgess, if I get you to stay just one more second, because I want you to talk about your theory behind. You know, NFL, NFL, and, and <laughs> kneeling. It's it's quite an. Uh, it's. I think you're right. I think you're right. Why I stand. Available in bookstores everywhere. We're uh, talking to former uh, NFL um, uh, player and and uh, Super Bowl uh, champion Burgess Owens, who's with us. Uh, by the way, uh, congratulate. Uh, uh, Stu on his uh, Eagles win over the weekend against the Cowboys. They looked really good last night. Oops. Uh, oh, no, they didn't. It's been uh, a repeat of every single game this year, and it was a pleasure to watch yet another one. So. Nothing's really changed. She got one, though. I, I, you know what? You, you got, got the one. Super Bowl finally. I finally, yeah. no thanks to you, by the way. The first one. Uh, but uh, we'll take it. We'll take it here. So uh, Burgess is, uh, is the author of a book called uh, Why I Stand. While we're on the NFL, uh, Tell me what you think is going on with the NFL and the kneeling. Okay. First of all, we have to recognize NFL is not the same as the days we grew up. You know, Al Davis and Pete Rozelle, they're globalists. And globalists uh, basically uh, do not prioritize our country. They see their profit, their profitability across the world, and that they've done purposely the last three years. wonder why it's taken three years for them to, to, to figure out how to deal with this flag thing. They wanted to mean the, the NFL brand, very simply, because they have places like China, France, Mexico. Uh, there's over 68 countries that already have a, a presence in, mm-hmm. and they're looking at having the Super Bowl in London. So at the end of the day, they want to make sure they demean the, the brand enough so it's accepted in China and all these other places that don't really care too much for our country. Uh, it's a global stretch. 
They don't mind giving up uh, or sacrificing these kids' careers. That's what they're doing. These young men are not only sacrificing their careers today, but their brand. When they leave the game, they will not have the same uh, power of uh, to move forward as as those mm, days. Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. I mean, so, he's done pretty well for himself. Well, and he what they do is they they uh, the whole idea of use, abuse, and discard. Uh, he will be discarded eventually when he, they figure out they don't need him anymore. The leftists are very heartless people because it's all about themselves. And so you understand the NFL, uh, what I like to do, I see the NFL do, is apologize for the last three years. I think at that point, they're, they're trying to do now is trying to move forward. They just had a big thing for Veterans Day where they're, they're showing how proud they are. And you don't see too much of this um, crisis right now. They've been able to push that down. They want us to forget what they've done the last three years. It's just like the Democratic Party does the same thing. They they have been a, a menace to the black community for century, and they want to kind of help us forget that they were the bad the bad piece of this process. So, I would love to see the NFL not only apologize but tell us what they did with the ninety million dollars that they put into this social justice. Where is that now, um, and how's being used? And I don't think we'll ever find out how that's all worked out. You know, when you said this uh, when we were off the air, I was like, that is exactly, I can't believe I didn't think of that. <clears throat> People don't understand in America that we are just a market to many of these companies now. Uh, when it comes to NFL, you know, um, we're a market. You know, we're just one of many, and they've maxed out their growth here in America. So now, what do we do to get Mexico and other places around the world to accept NFL like uh, like soccer, yeah. World Cup? Um, and that that's really what's happening. I, I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I would have never thought of that. Well, and, and we, we, I mentioned this when we were off air, but uh, uh, the commissioner just got signed a contract of $40 million per year. Uh, keep in mind, only 10% of that uh, is $4 million is guaranteed. The rest, 90%, is based on growth. Their growth started uh, tailing off three years ago. They capped at $3 billion in the United States, and they're going south ever since. So they have to get that internationally. You wonder why Nike stepped in. Well, Nike gets all their money in China. That's where their big big payday is. is, is a very little mm. bit, comparatively speaking, here in the United States. So if they were to put uh, Colin Kaepernick as the, the Marxist he is, as their, uh, their, their brand, yeah. yeah, the champion, it's very attractive to, to Chinese people. So, uh, Have you heard that anywhere, too? No. No, really, you to, it's, it's, you have to really have to think through how bad these people are to really get to what they're capable of doing. And I think American people haven't gotten there yet. They don't quite understand how how devious no. the leftists really are. Do you? Um, I mean, your book is full of stuff like that. But I I, I want to um, I, I want to take you to a, a more positive place that you say. How long have we known each other? Four years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, you say just in the last four years, the world has changed in the black community. What do you mean? It, it is. Uh, I am so, so excited about what's happening. Uh, I think the greatest present to our country was President Obama because he showed how, how much of a failure liberals and socialists and, and Marxists can be. We have people in the black community that has so much hope uh, that he's going to be the savior and when he failed after eight years, they realized, wait a minute, what what happened here? You never hear about his failures. Now, how, do you you mean, how do you mean? You well, failed? when you look at uh, the fact, I'm going to give you just a couple, just so you just know mm-hmm. how bad things have gotten. 75% mm-hmm. of the black boys in the state of California cannot pass standard reading and writing tests. 83% of black teen males for the last, last eight years could not find jobs. 70% of black men forsake their families. I mean, I go through a litany. You go through the increase of welfare. 
what the leftists do is they understand that misery is how they get their power. So they do everything they can, and they lie. They, they, they'll pat you on the back and give mm-hmm. you a big, big hug as they're giving you misery. But what's happening is that now that we're where we are, black folks realize my misery didn't go away. So you have a President Trump, who, of course, doesn't do it politically the way it's supposed to be done, mm-hmm. but the results are there. We now have more, uh, less unemployment than ever in the history of our race. We're now talking about education. We're talking about prison reform, which has never been talked about. Uh, all the things that now bring hope to people, we're now finding. And we have many young people now, not just the older folks who came from the generation I did, where we saw the success. Mm-hmm. Younger people are getting it, and they're leaving this. There's a black sit now. We're leaving... Uh, uh, black believe in the Democratic Party. There's a walk away. That's you the, really believe that's happening? Well, what's happened to, to, a, to a, a real significant extent? Here, here are the numbers. We have 16% of black Americans that were for candidate Trump. It's now 36% for President Trump. I've never seen that with a Republican or conservative candidate. Yeah, 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 well, because blacks are feeling it. When you start to see jobs coming, you start to feel hope. It's a whole different ballgame, and we're just getting started. My goal, very simply, is, is two things. It's education and it's, it's ownership. And ownership, basically, is not just being uh, entrepreneurs, but it's owning your future, realizing that you can actually make a difference in what you do and be accountable for your actions. We get that message, which is now going to be starting to happen in the black community, then we'll, we'll be the community that we were back at the turn of the century, where we were literally the example of what can happen when, when a community got it right. Have you met... African-Americans who have read your book and see things like, for instance, just talk about the NAACP and the way it started. <clears throat> NAACP was started back in uh, 19, oh, 1910. It's the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. The problem is it wasn't started by colored people. It was started by 21 white socialists, Marxist, atheists, race control Democrats. Mm-hmm. And they had a black uh, socialist, W. DeVos, who was a facade. And they did through stealth. They got into our community and switched our community. At that time, was leading our country in and in, uh, in the growth of the middle class, um, uh, capitalism, patriotism, you name it. It was the most successful, even in the 1960s. It was the most stable family in the country. That's exactly right. I mean, right. it's it, it the what happened from slavery up until about 1920, 1930ish. Uh, with the black Americans was amazing what they did. And then it was just dismantled. Well, Glenn, you've talked to your audience. I've heard you talk about Black Wall Street. Uh, We talk about uh, Madam C.J. Walker, who's the Uh first female self-made millionaire in our country. People would say that that was Oprah Winfrey. It happened a century before her. The first black millionaire on Wall Street was in 1840, and he died in 18... 1875 with a, a wealth of $250 million today's mm. dollars. So there's a cess going on. We don't hear about it. That's what the left does. It's called, it's what Karl Marx said, the first battleground is, is, is the rewriting of history. You steal our history, you steal away the vision of our future and our pride and our past. And that's what they've done. So we're going to get that back. So when you have people who are African American who read this, do you have, the, and don't know what you do, do you have them come back to you and say, Oh my gosh, I've, I've had I've had some. Um, I think though, w- what I love is that I'm not the only voice out there now. This is what's exciting to me, Glenn. Uh, that might have been a deal 10, 15 years ago that I would have been a big, big deal because this is such a new voice, right? Like the Shelby. Uh, there's a few guys, Walter Williams, and a few others, right? Now I'm just one of many voices out there, and so so it's nice to see that people are reading. 
Uh, I think, though, the key is the venues like this is what we the people do. It's not just black voices. It's black and whites together doing yeah. things and realizing that color has nothing to do with it. We all have issues. We're all trying to get through this thing called life. And if we give back, no matter what color we are, we all we all win in the end of the day. I just think you're a. Uh, you're a miracle in today's world, and I'm I'm always pleased to have you here. The name of the book is Why I Stand from Freedom to the Killing Fields of Socialism by Burgess Owens, available everywhere. Thanks, Thanks Burgess. You Good seeing you, Anthony. Let me tell you about our uh, sponsor this half hour. It is Simply, Fa- uh, Simply Safe. Simply Safe is a great security system for your house it's going to save you a buttload of money how much are you paying for your security now uh one buttload i'm paying currently really uh, yep one buttload yeah better than two buttloads mm-hmm. and if it's a right size butt i mean if it's a small butt if it's a baby butt not so bad i guess actually i'm paying one buttload plus 14.99 a month Really? So this will save me one buttload. Right. Okay, good. So that's what I promised. Is it's exactly you were right. So fourteen ninety nine a month for the 24-7 monitoring uh, for your house. Uh, and then there's no contract. And you own the system. So when you're paying $40, $50, $60 a month for your security, what you're doing is you're paying for the security system. When you see what it actually costs for a security system that is much better than the one that you per- currently have in your house, it's going to blow your mind. It's actually going to make you a little angry. But then just look at fourteen ninety nine and go, oh, my gosh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. SimplySafeBeck.com. Smart way to protect your family. The new way to protect your family. Welcome to the uh, 21st century. SimplySafeBeck.com. That's SimplySafeBeck.com. For anybody who uh, watches The Blaze on television or uh, online, if you're watching or listening to us uh, at theblaze.com, we have an issue uh, today, and we're not the only ones. Some of the uh, major networks are also having the same issue. Uh, The company that, I don't want to get all technical, but it encodes all of the information to send it up to the satellites and the internet and everything else. This is all they do. Uh, their building is on fire and uh, everybody's been evacuated. And so we're having to run everything here uh, and just hopes that they don't cut the power to that building. And if they do, we won't be the only network off. Uh, but uh, it's incredible. It's going off. on out there. I mean, people can't get to their work. They can't, you know, place. It's just incredible that this keeps happening. Yeah. Uh, well, this is up in Connecticut. Yeah. Oh, this is. Oh, this, this is. is a oh, this is separate. Totally fire. Separate. Oh, wow. I just assumed yeah. it was part I, of the I did, I did too until oh. I said, "Well, what are they gonna? You know, how are they?" And they said, "Well, they think they can put it out." And I'm like, "It's a really <laughs> giant wall." <laughs> I of mean, fire. they should have done that earlier yeah. if they could. have. Uh, but anyway, so uh, bear with us if you're listening to us online or watching the network. Um, we 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 hope that it will be under control. Have anyway. you been following the uh, latest on uh, all of the elections? Uh, somewhat it's, it's not looking good. It does seem like Arizona's in big trouble. Yeah. Um, it looked like, uh, a victory for McSally on a, an election night, uh, that seems to be going the opposite direction. 30, not decided yet. 30,000, I think in the other direction, uh, in Florida, uh, still, uh, Scott would be favored in these races, mm-hmm. uh, and DeSantis as well, uh, to hold on, but they're going to go into this recount world and, you know, who knows what I happens I don't understand there. what's happening in Broward County. They, they, they're the yeah. only ones that can't tell you how many people voted, 
and they had a court order to provide that and by Palm Friday. Beach had an issue with it too, it right? Been, yeah, uh, it, it, you know, and that's again legally required. People are like, "Oh, well, uh, we just want all the votes to be counted." Uh, that's a nice thing to say. However, what they're requesting is just the legally required information about how many ballots were cast, not whether they should count them or not. That's not even. It's not what the Republicans are saying. Like, hey, throw out a bunch of votes. We don't want those counted. There's no one requesting that. They're saying you have to live up to your legal requirement to tell us how many people actually voted and the information associated with that. And the reason why they want that is because that way you can't just come up with more ballots. Here's another box of 12,000 ballots, right? right. You can't do that. How many people voted? That should be a pretty simple number to come up with. Not, not a two-week number. They were supposed to provide it at the latest by Friday evening. And these races will be counted. And it's not it's not completely irregular for these races to be counted for a long time. Arizona, California in particular, is well known for a very long process because they I think the way they have it is your mail in ballots just need to be postmarked by Election yes. Day. So they can come in three or four days later. I think it was all the way up to Friday. So a lot of those races are turning. I mean, some races that were called for Republican uh, House candidates are now being uncalled so if, and those races are back in 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 the picture if this continues to go this way it could actually turn into a blue wave i mean you know a, it's, a small blue wave yeah you know i mean like i it, they could hit between 36 and 40 seats as a positive uh for democrats now this would now, be the tea party had 64 yeah, 66 seats not that size but right. the, of the last 14 midterm elections this one, and this is when we thought it was low 30s, so I haven't looked at it since, but when it was low 30s, it would be uh, um, more Democratic, more change, you know, a bigger wave, if you will, mm-hmm. than 10 of the 14 previous midterm elections. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so losing 30 seats is not nothing. There was a huge structural advantage for Republicans, thankfully, in the Senate, um, which allowed them to uh, hold where they are. But now look at this, where this stands. Rick Scott is in trouble. I think he's going to win, but it's still in trouble in, in Florida. And God only knows what the recount process looks like. Arizona is going to go down. Uh, that leaves you at 51, which is what they have now. Right. So there's, they did not increase at all. 52 will likely be Mississippi. Uh, that's you know very likely in 53, possibly Florida. Arizona would be 54, but the range is now 51 to 54 seats. They already had 51 with a huge structural advantage. If they wind up with 51 or 52 out of this thing, I mean, that is not a huge, that's not a win. They lost governorships. They lost uh, you know, a lot of state uh, seats as well. That's yeah, not good. It's not good. I mean, now some of the, the good thing for Republicans, I guess, is a lot of the high profile races they did hold on to. Obviously, we talked about Beto a lot. We talked about DeSantis uh, over, um, uh, what's his face? Uh, I can't think of his name. Gillum in, uh, in Florida. And Georgia, the governor race, it looks like they're still, that one's still tight, but it looks like they're going to hold that one. But this is not a win, I don't think. I think the, the, the longer we get into this process, the uglier it actually looks for Republicans. I just want to make sure that it is a legal yes. and fair process. And I, mm-hmm. I'm not convinced of that yet, at least in Florida, I'm not convinced. Glenn Beck, Mercury. 